This is the One Man Gang, and you're listening to another wrestling podcast. They make sure you and Booty, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there will be. It's time for uh, another wrestling podcast. We are taking over. Drink it in, man. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And if you're not done with that, then he's got two words. When we talk about the legends of the sport, there's only two in my book. A-W-B, another wrestling podcast. Bada-boom, realest guys in a room, how you doing? All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another holiday wrestling podcast. Ho, 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 bitches. I'm Credo. And I'm Angry Cooter. And we are the social assassins. And as always, we're just calling it how we see it, baby. You know, uh, everybody has to have their own holiday show, their own Christmas show. So here, why not have another uh holiday wrestling podcast i mean this is this is it cooter it's christmas week there's other holidays going on but uh this is it man this is the end of the year oh i know i'm such a grinch i i really detest the holidays for multiple reasons so uh i for one cannot wait for them to finally be over well uh you know yeah there's a lot of things that happened this year but you know what i think on today's show uh we're gonna have to get into uh, it's almost like our Festivus, you know, like on Seinfeld. I think we can have our own <laughs> wrestling Festivus where we can air our grievances, uh, but also talk about some of the gifts that happened uh, in pro wrestling this year. So we'll have a little bit of a mix uh, coming up a little bit later, so stay tuned for that. But, uh, Cooter, who's going to be joining us on another wrestling uh, podcast today? Well, this week joining us in the studio, it's none other than the one-man gang. That's right, guys. Uh, you better... You might also remember him as the African Dream, Akeem. He's going to be joining us to the Twin Towers with the Big Boss Man. We'll see what he's up to. Uh, we'll talk to him. Uh, what's what's he been up to, pretty much? So uh, stay tuned for that one. Always a blast to have uh, you know a guest, a superstar on each week, just for each and every one of you out there. So that's our gift to you, uh, in, in some some sort of way. But uh, Cooter, it's been a big week, man. Let's get right into the week that was. First off, Charlotte is now a four-time women's champion uh, in less than like seven months since she actually won the championship. So uh, what do you think about that one? I love it. I told you, Charlotte is like in a whole nother league. She, she just proved it in that match. The, she outperformed Sasha Banks, and Sasha Banks is no slouch, but Charlotte is just on a completely different level of just performing i mean she is incredible yeah i you know it, i'm kind of this is that's it too like sasha banks doesn't get a rematch uh so you know sasha's gonna have to find her way back up to the championship scenes but do you think it was a little bit much this year with you know how many times they, ha- they actually went back and forth to the championship or do you think it told a good story at the end of the day i i think they want to spread out these rivalries 
I mean, because we all like were very worried for the women's division down in NXT when they brought up the four horsewomen. And now, what happens when you run through two or three of these rivalries? We've already had a Charlotte and oh god, uh, Becky Lynch rivalry. Now we've had a Sasha Banks and uh, Charlotte rivalry. Now they're jumping right into the Bailey, but they've done a good job of spreading these out. What's going to be next after uh, Charlotte versus Bailey? I mean, we have a Nia Jax waiting in the wing. And then we better pray for uh, a little bit of a shakeup here because there's really no contenders left, at least on the Raw side. Yeah, it's, it's, they definitely, I think with the whole back and forth with Sasha, I think could have been spread out a little bit. Uh, it didn't need to happen so much so often because, you know, uh, Charlotte is a four-time women's champion, but if you count her Divas Championship ring too, in one year, Cooter, she's been a five-time, uh, all in all, women's champion. Uh, that, that blows my mind. She's like like not even halfway up to her father's reign almost of uh, being a world champion. But uh, man, I don't know. Are they were they just trying to like have some credibility behind the women's belt again to where, you know, granted in the, after this year, people are going to forget, Oh, that she won it five times in one year in a way to where now that when they start calling her a five time women's champion, that makes it sound better. I don't know Were they going for just to make it sound better. At least who the hell knows why they did it the way they did. It. I really, I, I, I Credo, this is when I can't call. I just don't understand why, the belt had to go back and forth when you were trying to build a, a dominant champ. I mean, I guess there could have been ways they could have gone around and, and maybe spread the rivalry out without having to, you know, make this, you know, title go back and forth and all these rematch clauses. And that's another thing. I, I hope for 2017 we just get rid of the fucking rematch clause. Enough is enough with that shit. <laughs> That's right. Uh, you know, also, too, Charlotte continues her pay-per-view uh, winning streak. That's yeah, that's a big deal, don't you think? I mean, think about it. 19 pay-per-views in a row, Cooter. 19 in a row she's been on uh, and won. So uh, that's, that's, that's she's got her own little streak going, I guess, for pay-per-views. Yeah, yeah but think of it this way. You know, it's not too often that a title changes hands on on television. She's lost that belt three times on television in a <laughs> fucking year. <laughs> I know. Uh, it, Let it's... me ask you a, like a, a like a serious question, though. In in terms of that pay per view as a whole, I mean, there seem to be a lot of people pissing and moaning about it. I mean, do, are they not understanding that it's not one of the big four? But it was still a pretty decent show. No, yeah, I know. And that's what people, I think, need to understand is that all these uh, pay-per-views in between the big four, uh, you know, they're not going to be anything spectacular or sp like a big spectacle. It's pretty much just a over-glorified Raw or SmackDown, whatever, whichever one. But, uh, you know, I think they're fine. Uh, you know, it's better than calling them in your houses. Uh, you know, they can give them their own names <laughs> and do what they want. But you can roll Todd Pettengale back the fuck out here, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a, you can't expect too much from these uh, the B pay-per-views, I guess. But, I mean, it, it, people, you know, that's it. People just need to stop complaining, I think. After 2016, hopefully we can get them... Uh, to see eye to eye with us, maybe in 2017. Yeah, what, what the fuck do you want for ten dollars? No, nine ninety nine, baby. Nine ninety nine. Listen, that's it's it's weird because there are things that I will pick and choose and watch on pay per views. I don't feel the need, Credo, to fucking you know watch every single show and every single pay per view. Yeah. Because it's it's not like I'm spending thirty five, forty, fifty bucks anymore a yeah. month. It's a ten dollar. 
to see a pretty decent card above average plus the big four, baby. What, what, what could you possibly complain about? Another little thing that happened this weekend, too, is that the New Day were dethroned of the WWE Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, Sheamus and Cesaro put on a great match, Cooter. They, they, they're the new Tag Team Champions, and they also received new Raw Tag Team uh, straps that are red and silver. What do you think about those? I think they're cool-looking belts. I don't really have a problem with them. I don't ever really complain about how belts look. I don't want to be that guy and be like, Oh my god, that belt looks like shit. Like, <laughs> I love the silver. Uh, I, I'm definitely digging it. I like them. Better I like it better than the bronze ones. And yeah. even though, even though the bronze ones are pretty cool too, but you know, it is what it is. But uh, I mean, that finish was just absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it was like Sheamus and Cesaro just finally outsmarting the new day. Cesaro faking the tag, going in and taking one for the team just to let Sheamus fucking run in there and get the pin. Incredible. Yeah, and now, okay, all in all, okay, we have new tag champs, but uh, are we done seeing, like, 400-plus day streaks with this? I mean, you know, how long do you think these guys should hold on to the straps? Oh, I would love to see them have a run, and I can already see them screwing this booking up because, I mean, you remember a few weeks ago they had that bar fight with, with mm-hmm. uh, Sheamus and Cesaro, and then they stay finally starting to get along. And now that they've won the belts, you have Sheamus acting like, you know, that magnanimous prick that he is again. <laughs> yep. And now they're not going to get along. And they're basically making – I'm like, ugh. You made them a team. You made them strong. You gave them this incredible win over, you know, the longest reigning tag team champs in history. Sorry, Demolition. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and, and this is how you – I mean, I hope they get a, a decent run at least. At least like a quarter of a year. Like give them three, four months. Yeah, maybe total mania or something. Yeah, exactly. Then then we could put it on uh, <laughs> the shining stars. Oh no! Shit. Oh no! All right, let's just move on before we get into that one. But uh, how about SmackDown, man? Uh, this week and it, it's just it seems like SmackDown has its own attitude error. Okay, Miz first of all calls out Renee for sleeping with Ambrose. Uh, and she smacks him and then walks off. Okay, so, like, that comment alone is not uh, PG-esque because, you know, it's like little Jimmy in the audience is like, Mommy, yes. what does that mean, you know? And Okay, so that's one point. Another point I want to bring up, too, is, like, uh, there's other in- instances that happen, but this is just another one that stands out to me. Uh, Carmella calling out Nikki, uh, saying that her silicone leaked into her brain. Like, really? They're calling out the implants on uh, SmackDown now? You know, even if you, you can go into Enzo's, uh, you know, whole little thing, escapade with Alana a few weeks ago, too, uh, getting, you know, stripping down into her hotel room and stuff. Uh, besides that... You're, you're also forgetting the fact that he was buck naked on live TV. That's that's right. That's right. They so okay, out his penis but he was butt-ass naked. So it's okay. So it's more than SmackDown, but definitely SmackDown hit it this week. But uh, what, what are we seeing here, Cooter? There's a lot more attitude happening. Could, could 2017 be the re- reemergence of maybe like a new attitude error? And I'm not saying too crazy, but something something definitely a little bit different than PG, right? Yeah, man, that Miz line. I mean, it's not too often where Miz can say something that shocks me the way that that one did. I was like, oh, shit, he went there? Like, that's cool. Like, I'm with it. You know me. I don't care. But, oh, this soap opera shit with Carmella, Nikki, and Natty kind of got interesting just the way that they let Carmella say that shit. And then Natty afterwards, I mean, 
had some not so nice shit to say about Nikki Bella. I mean, basically how, I mean, it wasn't as venomous, but I mean, it was a little more personal in terms of that's why John will never marry you because you know, like whatever. I was just like, Oh my God. Like, I know is this the Nikki Bella roast tonight. Holy God. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Cause I, what they, if they either got new writers, uh, they're just realizing that they can't really be too PG anymore. They definitely have to change the landscape to just entice uh, new viewers. I'm not saying, you know, they have to go full, you know, Bron panties match, but I mean, you know, just uh, upping, upping the dialogue like that, like using, you know, making fun of her for silicone implants or, you know, calling uh, Renee Young out for sleeping with Dean, Dean Ambrose, like little things like that, but to where it's not like, you know, crazy, but it's definitely like, Ooh, they're, they're, they ain't keeping a PG right now. You know what I mean? It's like enticing us to watch more. Do you, do you think this might be a little touch of what we're going to see in 2017 as far as, you know, what they're going to be doing with everybody? I mean, just, just upping the ante a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, I don't know. It's 2017, man. We don't need to be too PG anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, come on, man. We, we have Donald Trump as the president, so the PC era is now officially over. You know, this is why you brought me in. Yeah, <laughs> that's right, man. The the <laughs> that's it. So if things are changing for the good, uh, you know, we, we also try to get you uh, involved out there. Whether you're tweeting us at a wrestling pod, facebooking us at another wrestling podcast, uh, or just go straight over to anotherwrestlingpodcast.com, you can find all of our links. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and all that stuff, guys. We love hearing from you. But Cooter, uh, during the pay per view, during Roadblock, I, I sent out some tweets and we got some responses. Ooh. Uh, so so one little tweet I have, uh, does WWE really need to change the ropes to purple and the canvas every time they have a cruiserweight match? I mean, it just seems like, aren't they supposed to make them a part of them? Like, why do they need to make them, like, different every time? Can you, you want to talk about this? I'm going to pull some tweets for us. All right. Um, I don't really have an issue with it. I, I think it's kind of cool that they're, they're, not that they're trying to keep it separate, but they're trying to give it its own look its own style i mean if you notice you know even even the heels tend to will shake hands you know before the match i mean it has a, a completely different feel than what we're used to and and i think that's a good thing i mean we we have you know the same old shit and some people like the same old shit but this is a little different. It's it's refreshing. It's new. It's something we haven't seen. Maybe maybe it does need its own look. I mean, it's a good way because I know that's what the color ropes they use for for two hundred five live, and that's what they did during the, the cruiserweight classic. So I mean, it's it's making it its own brand, and I, and I think it's a good idea. All right. Well, we got some people online that will disagree with you, Cooter. Uh, first off, we have at WWE Critics. He says, uh, no, it really doesn't do anything. We have at Metal Peter saying, I like the purple ropes, but it seems like way too much work for just one match, but I get why they do it, kind of. Uh, also, uh, at Ocho and Ortiz, uh, they say, I think that's part of the reason the crowd gets taken out of the matches. Uh, so they're thinking that... that I I will say because, you know, they go and they have these backstage segments and they tend to have like one or two as they're changing those ropes. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, I can see the crowd getting the steam taken out of them, you know, having to watch all that bullshit. Yeah. And uh, one other uh, guy on Twitter, Trenton Wright at Trenton, the drums, he says, I've seen it live. It's such a waste. They have to do so much work to change the rope. Uh, ropes and skirts and all that so like even he he's seen what happens at a live show and it's like 
you know, we're probably getting a lot of backstage segments to where us at home, we don't really notice it from the commercials and all this other stuff going on. But maybe let's watch that next time to where, okay, we know a cruiserweight, cruiserweight match is coming up. How much time do they give them between that and the actual start time of the match uh, to just see, you know, how much time is that kill just to change the ropes all the time, you know? So uh, he, you know, he says it's just such a waste. I, I don't, I, I personally don't even see what, the need for that. Um, you know, a lot of good tweets uh, from that. Uh, we also sent out another question. Uh, I also, well, not mostly a question, but it was mostly about Neville. I said, the man that WWE forgot and that gravity has returned <laughs> to us, uh, Neville, is now the cru- is in the cruiserweight division. Uh, is that good or bad? I asked everybody. Um, you know, pretty much uh, he, we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, Cooter. You know, like, what, what, what was it missing? It was missing Neville. And we're like, well, what are they doing with him? We don't know. They're, they're like they, it's almost like they forgot about him, uh, and he finally returned. Made notice that he's gonna be in the cruiserweight division, uh, and you know some of the people said I asked about that, and they say uh, our our friend Marilyn uh, at Ink and Coffee Gal says I say good. It got a reaction from the crowd, uh, which the CW needed. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think you know by him coming out as a heel, uh, pretty much destroying all the cruiserweight champions that they've had so far? Uh, do you think that's adding a little bit fire into the division now? It's not just that aspect of him destroying everybody. It's it's a name recognition because that roster has been filled with people that the casual fan uh, is not aware of, do not know. You know, they've been exposed to Neville. We've seen him in, you know, big name matches, you know, like the one with uh, Stephen Amell as his tag team partner. I mean, that that got a lot of. Uh, media attention. Here's what's uh, very important. Like I said, name recognition. We also have a Tajiri coming back. Uh, the The roster is starting to get a few names that people are aware of. It is good for that brand. Whether uh, Tajiri sticks around uh, or not, maybe he helps get the next guy over. Uh, we we need, I'd say, another two big names that people are familiar with. I mean, Kendrick was great in terms of recognition, uh, a wily veteran, but Tajiri is just that much bigger of a name. Neville is 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 a great name to have in there. I mean, Austin Aries will, will be in two hundred five live, according to him. Now, let me say this: Have you not enjoyed him? <laughs> on commentary. His first week, I thought he stunk, but every time somebody asks, like Mauro Ronaldo will ask him a question, well, what would you do in this situation? Also, he goes, what are you talking about? I would just poke him in the eye. And, and, and every, he must have said that line like three times in the same episode. <laughs> what would you do in this situation? Oh, I would just poke him in the eye and go to work. You know, was, <laughs> I would, he's, he's, he's awesome, dude. Yeah, and you know, Kudo, we're going to talk about a little bit uh, later, you know, with the cruiserweights and stuff happening this year, uh, but WWE, you know, has definitely, you know, set the, the standard, I guess, in pro wrestling this year as far as what's happening is from d- different divisions, the women's division, the cruiserweight division. Uh, could you see the cruiserweights not be more than just Raw this year? I know they have their own show, but I'm saying, like, on every show, from Raw to SmackDown and their own show to where... You just all you need is like one match on Raw, one match on SmackDown, then you have their live show on 205 Live. Uh, do you think it'll be more than just Raw, maybe in 2017? I don't think so. I don't think it's necessary. I mean, uh, SmackDown is only a two-hour show. You can get away with it on Raw because they have the third hour. 
and we basically give them their own third hour of SmackDown at the end of the show. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're basically being presented on both nights just on different platforms, one on, on a major brand itself and one on its own after another major brand. So, I mean, it's it's we'll see. I, I think what they're doing right now is as, as good as it's going to get for now. Definitely. Well, guys, girls, everybody listening, once again, head on over to another wrestling podcast. Show us some love. Write some reviews for iTunes and Stitcher and all that fun stuff. Take the minute to do it because uh, maybe we'll give away some stuff on future episodes to thank you for it. But regardless, guys, uh, this is why you're here. Coming up next, we have the One Man Gang joining us Uh one half of the Twin Towers. Uh, also, he was the African Dream, Akeem. Let's speak to the one-man gang. Joining us today is a legend of the business. You may remember him as Akeem the African Dream, but most will remember him as the one-man gang. George Gray is here today. George, uh, thanks for joining us. Hey, it's a pleasure. I'm glad you invited me to call in and uh, talk a little bit. From what I see, you got into the business at the young age of 17, uh, working in the Carolina independent circuit. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about why you decided at 17, you know, you, that's when you wanted to be a pro wrestler? Uh, I, was just, I was just a big fan of uh, wrestling. I grew up in the in Spartanburg, and uh, I watched Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling, Crockett Promotions, and just was a huge, huge wrestling fan from an early age, and just decided one day that, you know, just uh, wanted to do that for a living, and uh, just was attracted to it, and luckily I got to do that, you know, for quite a few years, so, you know, I was a lucky person, able to do what I wanted to do. Definitely. Uh, now, you worked in a lot of the territories, including the ICW, uh, International Championship Wrestling, uh, WCCW, World Class Championship Wrestling, Jim Crockett Promotions, uh, just to name a few. Uh, did you have any particular favor to work for at that time while you were traveling around? Uh, no, I wouldn't say I had any favorites. I mean, Florida was nice because, I mean, you're in Florida, of course, but uh, I wouldn't say there was any particular favorites I had. It was just, you know, just... Uh, enjoyment of uh being you know just being a professional wrestler you know i mean i was just it wasn't uh, it wasn't a matter of you know making a huge living or anything like that trying to become a millionaire off of it i just enjoyed what i was doing nightly and just was having a great time you know at that particular time in my life you know for territories which you know that was my favorite was territories but then you know as years later you know what happened to territories so <laughs> Yep. Uh, and now also too, well, when you started, um, you didn't quite have a name, but I mean, uh, you know, Jim Ross at the time said about you because you were an unnamed assailant attacking guys. Uh, he called you, he said, he's a one man gang. Uh, did you guys have a name planned or did that just, was that the name that you loved and it just stuck with you? No, it wasn't, it wasn't any plan to it. It just, uh, it just happened that way. And that's just what they went with from then on, you know? So you know, it was turned out to be good for me, and you know, I'll just just the right person at the right place, and the right person just said the right name, and that just stuck with me the rest of my career. 
Sure. Uh, now, you also, when you debuted in the WWE as the one-man gang, along with Slick, uh, was it easier to work with a manager to have someone to feed off of? Uh, and how was Slick uh, to work with? Uh, it was, you know, I'd never met the man before, but right away, we, you know, we got along really well, uh, you know, because just our habits were pretty much the same, you know, and uh, he was just an easy person to get along with and a great, you know, great in-ring personality, great on the microphone and just a nice, just, just a nice person all the way around, you know, so we never had no problems the whole time he managed me, never, never had a crossword or anything, so you know, it turned out to be really good for me, you know, but we always joke. I always joke to him and tell him, you know, I could have had a great career in WWF if I got Bobby Hinn or Jimmy Hart. But I had to end up with you and you ruined my career. <laughs> he always he always gets mad. He, he'd be yelling at me. What do you mean I ruined your career? <laughs> well, uh, now, uh, as the one-man gang, you participated in the first-ever Survivor Series pay-per-view uh, as a member of Andre the Giant's team. Now, uh, you're a 6'9", and uh, what was it like being in the same ring with Andre, who is a seven four? Because not every day is there someone bigger than yourself. I imagine when during wrestling. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, even before that, I'd wrestled him in single matches. You know, throughout my territory days, you know, all, in all the different territories, he'd always come in as the baby face when he was traveling around, and I was always the heel. So we'd wrestled against each other in single matches. So. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've told people being in the ring with Andre, I felt like a small child, basically, even though I was huge, you know, for for a normal human being. But, you know, when you're in the ring with Andre the Giant, it's just you can't even compare that. It's just you can't you can't even really describe it unless you've actually been beside the man up close. You know, when you see him on TV or at a distance, but once you get up beside the man up close, I mean, this is just totally, totally awesome uh person you know and just unbelievable to his you know he was a true true giant when you say a giant <laughs> definitely uh now uh, you had a little bit of a change going on from uh, the one-man gang to akeem the african dream uh can you take us back to how this idea was created and maybe who was behind it well I don't, I don't, i'm not really sure how it was created but i mean of course you know the, the owner of the company at the time was the man behind it of course because all ideas any anything that would happen, you know, had to go through Vince McMahon, and he was the final say so on everything. So I, I believe I'm pretty sure 100 percent that it was his idea. You know, Slick claims what well, he gave him the idea, but I, you know, I can't verify that. But sure. you know, Vince is Vince is the one that came up with the idea. He's the one that came up with the costume design and and uh, basically everything about it. He's the one that you know broke the news to me that I was going to you know kind of be a you know, it was going to change me into a black man or whatever and yep. find, find my roots in Africa. And, you know, it was just crazy. I, did, I mean, I was, uh, I didn't even, I thought it was a joke at the time. I didn't even believe him, you know, until, sure. until they actually flew me up to New York to get fitted for the costume, you know. So, <laughs> yep. but, I mean, in the long run, it worked out. I mean, and when I go out to signings and stuff, people always, you know, man, I loved Akeem. My game was the greatest. You know, they always want to see that funky dance or what they call it, dance, just just the arm swing or whatever it was. I don't even know what it was, really. But, <laughs> sure. you, know, you know, even African-American people come up to me, you know, man, Akeem was the greatest. You know, I loved Akeem. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, obviously, I mean, you know, the power of TV, I guess it worked. I'm not, 
I'm not sure in today's time if he could if he created a character that way if it would uh, would work that way. So <laughs> I don't know. But back in you know 19, uh, 1989, 1988, whatever it was, you know, I guess. I guess at that time, you know, you could get away with things like that. Sure. Uh, now, as Akeem, you also got to team with uh, the late great Big Boss Man and formed the Twin Towers. Uh, did you enjoy teaming with the Boss Man, and what was what was he like to work with? Uh, boss Man was a super nice guy. You know, I never I, I never had no trouble with him. You know, just uh, as a you know just a point of history was. Uh, when I was a UWF champion for for uh, Bill Watts Universal Wrestling Federation, I was his world champion. And when I was signed to leave to go to WWF, I had to lose the title, and I lost it to Big Bubba Rogers, who turned out to be you know the big boss man years you know a little bit later. Mm-hmm. So it just happened to be I lost the U- UWF title to Big Bubba Rogers, and then. Then several months later, you know, here we were, got to team up as, you know, him as the big boss, man. And so I thought that was a, you know, just one of those ironic uh, Mm -hmm. twists of things in history, you know. WrestleMania is coming up in a few months. You competed at WrestleMania 5 with the big boss, man, as the Twin Towers, taking on the Rockers, in uh, which you scored the win for your team, pinning Shawn Michaels. Uh, Is there anything you could tell the fans about WrestleMania, maybe, and how it feels to perform on the biggest stage uh, of the year compared to maybe any other show during the year? Well, I mean, uh, you know, people ask me about, you know, uh, what it feels like to be at a WrestleMania. I mean, yeah, it's ex- it's exciting, but I mean, you know, when you when you're in the WWF, I mean, you're doing a lot of big shows anyway. So we were traveling so much and on the road so much. You know, when you went into a WrestleMania, it didn't really didn't really seem that big to us. You know, not to me anyway. I mean, because we had Summer Slams and other other events during the year. And, uh, you know, we just, and to us, you know, back in those days, we were, we were taking care of ourselves. Basically we had to get our own rental cars. We didn't have no special buses to pick us up or any, you know, how it is nowadays, you know, they have buses to take them to the events and they, you know, they're well taken care of. In our days, we were pretty much on our own, you know, you get to the event, however you had to get there, you know? So, Hmm. I mean, when it comes to WrestleMania, yeah, sure. You want to be a part of it, but you know, to me, it just, it didn't really affect me that way. It didn't, you know, because I've been in a lot of big events. I've been in stadium shows in Florida when I was working for Florida Championship Wrestling. I'd worked in the Superdome, you know, for Mid-South Wrestling. So I'd been in big events already, so it really didn't affect me that, you know, this is WrestleMania. So, sure, you know, I, I tell people that, and they just, you know, they're like, man, I just don't I don't know. I just seem like I'd be really nervous, but... It was just another match to me. You know, you just sure. go out there and do what you had to do. Definitely. Uh, now, we have some questions from some fans. Uh, one from Ryan in Poughkeepsie, New York. He's asking you if uh, uh, the African Dream name was uh, a rib on Dusty Rhodes at that time because I believe he had the, the American Dream. Well, I mean, uh, no, I don't believe it was because they brought him in, of course. You know, he came in as, uh, you know, the whatever they call him, the uh all american workman whatever it was i don't remember what it was put him in the polka dots and we had matches against each other me as akeem and of course him is uh you know dusty road so i don't believe it was why what i mean why would you bring him in if he was ribbing against the guy right sure and uh he's also asking uh, uh which is harder uh wrestling for in regional promotions like mid-south or if the travel grind of the wwf at that time uh, made it harder Oh, the, the WWF grind was way, way harder. 
I mean, in the uh, territory days, you got to get home every once in a while. You know, you drive to a little town and you could come back home the same night or you could take your family with you in a vehicle, you know, and make a two or three day little drive around a circuit or whatever. But WWF, it was, you know, every day jetting to another city, basically just a, a, like I tell people, it was just a rock show. We were just, we was basically just like a rock show is. We was on tour every day going to a different city, you know, on a jet plane and have to get your hotel room, have to get a rental car, have to perform, have to get food. Next day, go to another city and just repeat the same process over and over and over, day after day after day. So the grind was, the grind on that was just terrible, you know, especially on a family life if you had a family. Sure. Uh, and also, uh, Josh Hill from Red Hook, New York, asks uh, about the gimmick battle royal at uh, WrestleMania 17. Uh, did you have any funny stories, and what was it like uh, coming back for then? Well, originally, they wanted me to come in as Akeem, and uh, at that particular time, I'd, I'd lost a lot of weight. You know, if the, the suit was originally measured for some, someone at 400 pounds or better, and then at that particular time, I dropped down to about 310 pounds. So the uh, costume, there was no way it was going to fit, you know. Sure. So, And they didn't have time to uh, make another one or anything. So they, Howard Finkel had called and said, well, he wants you to come in as I came. And I'll ask him if he can come in as one-man gang, you know. So Howard Finkel, you know, another day goes by and he calls me back and says, oh, Vince says, yeah, you can come in as one man gang, you know, so that's how that was. You know, I just went on in there. It was nice seeing the guys, you know, the guys in the gimmick battle royal. The, the other guys, you know, most of, most of them, I don't even, you know, the guys on the show, except for Austin and a few of the other guys, I didn't even know, really know who they were, you know, who they are. I never really met them or anything, but it was all nice, you know, it was a good time, you know, I had a good time at the WrestleMania and got to go out there and, you know, have a few good minutes in the ring and, you know, take a nice little bump over the top rope. <laughs> sure. Uh, now, you also appeared in the movie Stay Tuned, one of my personal favorites. Uh, how did this come about and, uh, how, you know, how did you get on, get into the movie? Uh, well, uh, that came about uh, just laying around the house here uh, one night and telephone rings and it was Terry Funk and, and they had offered the role to him. And uh, I guess it just wasn't a big enough part or he just wasn't interested in it or whatever. And he gave him my name and telephone number and said, you know, contact this, you know, contact this guy. He, he might be interested in doing it. And so the director contacted me and, and, you know, one thing led to another and there I was, you know, putting on the costume to go out there and wrestle, uh, wrestle in the movie against, uh, you know, uh, <coughs> I guess the, the people so that's how it came about really it was terry funk had really put you know put my name in there that's that's really the only movie i did i didn't even really enjoy it you know it was sure. just too, too much just too much time to kill it's just a you know you take one little one minute shot and then they have to move the equipment all the way around and it's like took forever you know it was just this is a horrible Mm-hmm. For me, just horrible. You know, just so long a time to do it. You know. Yeah. Um, now, you you mentioned the travel with WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, did you ever have any uh, favorites that you like to travel with? Any guys that you love traveling with? Well, in WWF until the very end, about uh, about probably last six months or so, me and Slick did all traveling together. Him and I was 
every day, you know, it's it was just him and I because we had the same habits, you know, didn't drink, didn't do any, you know, uh, anything that would mess with his brain or any drugs, anything at all. We were pretty straight, you know, we're straight laces could be. And, you know, so we kind of stuck together and rented the car, split the car, split, split our hotel rooms and stuff like that, you know, trying to save money on the road. And so that was about it. Me and Slick pretty much 100% of the time until about the last six months when they took the managers off the road. And I was by myself, basically, you know, so that's when it really became pretty expensive for me. Definitely. Uh, now, you know, the, traveling all the time, too, uh, people see you all the time on TV. Um, they, they get to know you. They, they, you know, they think they know you when they see you on the road. But uh, if you could tell me maybe briefly about the importance of keeping uh, kayfabe, as they call it, uh, back in your day, uh, compared to, like, today, where that's pretty much out the window. Well, back in, uh, well, mainly the territory days, WWF really wasn't, uh, really wasn't that way because we was flying on jets every day, uh, restaurants, whatever. It, it didn't really, didn't really amount to much at that, at that particular time. But, uh, territory days, it was very important. You know, they, uh, if you wasn't part of the, uh, the show, like a referee or anything like that, you wasn't even allowed in the dressing room. They wouldn't allow, uh, you know, like a drink guy to come back in the dressing room to deliver drinks or anything, you have to throw them out, you know, and cuss them out and tell them to get out, you know. I mean, it was it was very, very strict back in the uh, heyday, you know, uh, old school days, as I say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it was important back in those days because the fans, I mean, you sold the tickets basically off of what the fans saw on TV and, and the fans pretty much, you know, I, I say, you know, 80, 90 percent of them really believed what was happening on TV, you know, if you was a heel, they believe that you was really an evil person, you know, doing some dastardly deeds to the good guy. So, you know, when you come to the arena, they would come out and spend the hard-earned money to see that, you know, good guy get get his licks in on you, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they, they honestly believe what they saw, pretty much uh, everybody. They may say, you know, I knew it, was, I knew it wasn't this or that, but... In reality, they—I think—they really believe what they saw. They wouldn't come out, you know, and spend their money like they did. Sure. Uh, now, uh, do you get to actually—do you get to actually watch any of today's product by any chance? Or do you keep up with it today? No, I don't keep up with WWE at all. I, I just don't I have no interest in it. You know, I watch uh, TNA every once in a while. You know, I may. DVR and watch it back. I, uh, same with uh, Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. I may watch it, you know, but uh, that's, a, you know, I don't, I'm not a full-time wrestler. If I, if I watch any wrestling, I'll just YouTube, you know, old school, you sure. know, Memphis or things like that, you know. Not not necessarily, nothing with me on it because I, I don't watch my matches at all. I don't watch any of my interviews. I just don't like watching it, so. I watch, you know, the old Memphis shows and things like that that I never really got to see, you know, so more than any, any of the new product. Sure. And uh, one thing I want to bring up, too, uh, a lot of the fans out there, uh, I definitely want to let them know about this, too. Uh, you know, unfortunately, in August uh, 2016, your home in Baton Rouge uh, was affected by the flooding down there. Uh, How is everything doing? Are you OK? Um, and I know there's a GoFundMe page maybe we could tell everybody about. Uh, I'll definitely put it up on our site. Uh, yeah, we, we, our house took in, uh, well, not just our house. I mean, it was uh, thousands of people down yeah. here. It was, you know, but ours particularly, you know, our house took in like three foot of water. So, you know, pretty much lost, 
you know, everything, you know, furniture and everything else. And I mean, uh, our animals survived and we survived, you know, so other than that, I mean, you know, I mean, it's just an act of nature. Nothing could have done to stop it. So, you know, we're in the process of trying to get, get back, you know, get it rebuilt and get back into it. It's a real slow, slow process, but eventually, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll be back into the house and, you know, that's just the way it is, you know, so sure. I, well, I, yeah, we're gonna let everybody know too about that GoFundMe page because I know a lot of fans out there uh, they they still love you today. I hope uh, all the fans out there listening can uh, you know help uh, help out the one man gang today for that. And uh, is there anywhere people can keep up with you on social media today? Well, I mean, the only thing I have, I do have a Facebook page where uh, you know I'll, people will ask me questions. I give them answers if you know if it's a sensible question. You know, I mean. So I mean I do I do have a Facebook page. I'll check in there every once or twice, three times a week. Sometimes I might put up a little, you know, people ask me like uh, somebody asked me about my mohawk, how come I don't wear the mohawk anymore? So I you know, put up a little answer and then somebody was asking me about, you know, which character I enjoy the better, Akeem or one man gang, you know, things like that on the Facebook page. Definitely. You know, and then and to track it down, it's I think it's uh, I think it's one man gang is the is the is the page, but they put the one man. I think it's one man is one word. They didn't they wouldn't separate it for some way. It wouldn't separate into three separate names. You know, I don't know why. I've tried to change it, and it just won't change. But you know, I just type it in on Facebook. It'll pop up. You'll see me. It's it's uh I'm there as one man gang and Akeem is a double picture on the uh little picture thing on Facebook. I don't know what you call it, whatever it's called. Yeah, definitely. We'll link it up on our page when the show goes out. Uh George, I really appreciate your time today and I really th- uh you know, thank you for coming on the show and being able to talk all the fans talk to all the fans out there. Well, as uh, you know, I'm 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 glad I was able to. I appreciate you having me on the show and uh you know, I mean, I wish we had more time. We could talk a little more, but, you know, that's the way it is. And hopefully one of these signings uh, somewhere, all the, you know, people always want to know where I'll be at. You know, hopefully they'll bump into me at one of them somewhere, you know, and I can shake their hand and take a picture with them, you know. That's right. Well, uh, thanks again, and we appreciate it. We, we hope you have a good holiday and a happy new year. Yeah, and the same to you. And everybody's listening in on the show. Have a Great Christmas, great holiday, and a good new year. And, you know, the one-man gang is going to keep on going, baby. It's Christmas time. Uh, so what are we going to talk about? I mean, I love Festivus from Seinfeld, you know, uh, where they get to air their grievances. But, you know, I'm thinking about uh, this year we've had so many good things happen in pro wrestling. They were gifts to us. You know, it is the giving season. It is Christmas. It's the holiday time. Uh, let's talk about some of the best presents that we've gotten this year. But also with the good comes the bad cooter. So at the same time, it's a wrestling Festivus. We're going to air the grievances with each gift that we've gotten this year. You, you down for this? So you're saying you want me to be an, an internet troll, Mark? Well, we're both, we're both going to have fun uh, airing our grievances. But, I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> we, 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 gotta, we have to talk about the bad. Uh, talk about the good, but followed by with, you know, maybe what was bad about it, you know? Okay, all right. I, I'm down. Let's see. I, I, right. I, I think I can handle this. I got the poll set up. I'm ready to air the grievances. But first off, here's a present, Cooter. Uh, AJ Styles. 
Styles, probably the biggest thing out of 2016, debuted at the Royal Rumble uh, this year. Nobody, you know, who would have thought that we've seen AJ Styles this year debut? I mean, some would, you know, WWE has changed its landscape this year from, oh, they're not going to talk to any TNA talent or any other talent unless they come through their own system, and voila. You know, AJ Styles walks in the door, and he walks in with his name. He didn't have to change his name or spell it different. The phenomenal one has arrived, Cooter. I mean, what, what, that if anything, that was the greatest gift of all the all, of the whole year. I must have watched that Rumble entrance and the crowd reaction, like because that was in Orlando, and that that's you know we're we're TNA taped for all those years down in Universal, and my God, the fans just loved him down there. It was it was the perfect debut. For AJ Styles down there and and in the Rumble. All right. Well, with this gift cooter, uh, air your grievances now. What what was probably the downside about this? What was the bad part about this? There, for me, there is no bad part of. There's nothing I can say bad about AJ since he's been here. That's just my opinion because they they've given him the title. They gave him a. Uh, you know, a win over Cena at a at a major pay per view. The only bad thing I can think of, and it has its good and its bad, is the breaking up of the club with the brand split. Well, here, yeah, we got to get you to air these grievances better because you know when he came in, you know uh, we all know about these stupid copyright things and and yada yada yada. But uh, you know, coming in, you know, he was the leader of the Bullet Club over in Japan and whatnot. Uh, comes over here, he forms a club, but we can't call them the Bullet Club. So now we have Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson joining him, uh, but we can't call him the Bullet Club, uh, which that would have made awesome TV this year of having the Bullet Club take over WWE. Uh, we we know the reasons why and why not or not, but okay, that was like the little downside of it to where it's like, oh, okay, we get them, but now they're called just the club. Uh, and then, you know, I've heard a little, uh, you know, a little story about how uh, AJ Styles, when he signed with WWE, asked uh, the Young Bucks to see if they re-signed or not. And they already did to where he was almost going to talk them into coming with him to WWE. So we would almost had oh, AJ wow. Styles and the Young Bucks uh, joining the WWE at the same time. And man, I think that's the one downside. That's my grievances about this whole AJ Styles debut is as great as it was and is. You know, we, we couldn't use the Bullet Club name. And, you know, we, we kind of got the B squad of Dallas uh, and Anderson. I got to real quick, though. <laughs> the, the, the not using of the Bullet Club name. I mean, that that faction is is involved in, in how many different promotions right now. It's like the most dominant faction that we've seen in wrestling and I don't mean in terms of star power but in terms of how many different promotions they're all in now I mean and that's a that's and the it, good thing about it the bad thing and why it's well the good thing why they don't use that name credo is uh, how do I want to say this recognition well, here's the, here's the thing is that, you know, they've, they've thrown a lot of things out the window this year as far as, as far as what WWE has been doing to where, you know, they paid how much money to use CM Punk's uh, Cult of Personality song for every show, every place they went. I want to know what that paycheck was 
to to play that song all the Come time. Come on, that that was a bullshit but, band with a no, one. Listen, hit they're paying they're paying this much money for that to use that song in WWE. Come on, Vince, he didn't have a few extra bucks just to buy that Bullet Club name. Just to you know, someone made that brand and they they could have sold so much yeah, merch. But, yeah, but you know why they don't do that, Credo? And, and this is what it, I right? want to say. Well, no, this is why they don't do it is because. You realize that the Bullet Club is on multiple different platforms in terms of, you know, wrestling companies that they work with. All right, if you're a, you're a Bullet Club fan because of AJ Styles and, and, and Gallows and Anderson, you want to know who else is in the Bullet Club. You're kind of making other people search out. Oh wow, look, there's the Kenny Omegas and there's the, the Young Bucks. They're not in WWE, so their whole thought processes let's keep them engaged on the wwe product because if you throw out bullet club oh well then you're going to want to start watching ring of honor you're going to start wanting to watch new japan and you're not keeping your fans tuned in to you you're kind of pushing them out to these other outlets and that's something you don't want to do in business all right Aaron, the grievances but let's let's, let's keep the, the gifts going uh what okay. else what, what else do you think was a gift for you this year and maybe i can uh, find the bad of it all right, a gift for me is the brand split. And the reason I say that it's a gift is because there are guys who are getting lost in the mid-card who are, are now, uh, I don't want to say top-tier talent, but they're getting more TV time, they're getting pushes, and, and I get to see more of certain people than I normally would. No, yeah. I'm not getting a double dose of John Cena every fucking week on Raw and SmackDown. That's that's a plus for me. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, it, that definitely was a gift. I, I agree 100% with you as far as the brand split. These, you know, this day and age with WWE having uh, all these names coming up from NXT, it's like we have no, well, no place to put them, and a lot of guys do get lost in the shuffle. So that was a good thing. But with the split cooter, you know, we got this, uh, we, we got a lot of split championships. And don't get me wrong, I love championships. I, you know, I, I, I can't get enough of them. But the naming of some of them, the universal champion. Now tell me, <laughs> Cooter, what does universal champion mean? Like, are you the champion of the universe? Yes, you, the are, WWE universe. So, you know, for somebody who says he loves titles, last week you were totally bitching about that UK title with your 50,000 fucking questions. You kind of just stepped on yourself there. Well, doesn't the UK title fall into the intercontinental title? Uh, oh my god, no, here we go. We're stopping this. <laughs> I, we need need a definition <laughs> of titles because it gets so lost in the shuffle because now okay the universal championship it's basically the wwe world heavyweight championship uh same title it's red and it's, it has a different name but uh you know like to, to the odd person you know to anybody out there watching it uh what does that mean you know what i mean like uh, does the is the universe bigger than the world yes it is so does that mean the universal championship is already greater than the wwe world heavyweight championship it's these little stupid nuances nuances or whatever or whatever you want to call them uh, it's these stupid little things that just bother me but uh you know the brands i am again oh i'm trying to air my grievances about this so that's <laughs> one of my grievances it's just the name uh i mean couldn't they have like i i know you don't want to call it the raw world heavyweight champion and the smackdown heavyweight champion like but i mean couldn't they have done uh you have the world champion on smackdown and then you have i don't know the uh, something else besides universal. Anyway, that I don't want to st stick on this for like 20 minutes, but uh, 
the downside of the brand split was the the unconventional naming of uh, one title. But uh, maybe kind of getting used to it. I need to see more what happens with it. But uh, anyway, uh, let's just keep moving on. There's a lot of other great things that happened this year. Um, let me st- let me think about it. What else happened this year that was kind of good? You know what? Uh, one of the biggest pops of the year was Shane McMahon returning to TV. Yeah, I think that happened to be one of the the greatest things we've seen. What what do you, you think about that? I mean, that was that was a good gift, right? Uh, yeah, uh, until WrestleMania happened. Oh my God, that was a terrible fucking match with a storyline that never had an ending that, that also contradicted itself. I mean, Shane had something over his father's head. He gambled it. We never got to find out what it was. And Shane was supposed to disappear or get control of raw or whatever it was. And instead we have him as a guest GM with his sister for two weeks in his love fest, <laughs> which was like kind of gross. It almost seemed like, uh, you know where I'm going with that one. I don't even want to say it. You know, as much as a gift that he was, you know, uh, just to air a little bit of the grievances, uh, you know, it, it, it's unfortunate that, you know, he left like he did. And, you know, we're not going to know the full story because obviously we're not, you know, we don't know what really goes on backstage, but, he doesn't really come back as like a person in power. You know, he's not really running the show like Triple H or Vince McMahon. He's just a part of the storyline. And don't get me wrong, I, you know, everybody loves Shane, but, you know, I almost feel like, could you imagine what it would be like if Shane was really in charge? Hey, let's, let's air some more shit. How about that Hell in a Cell against The Undertaker? Uh, all that buildup for that one fucking spot that you know, match was drizzling shits if, if if i might quote the ole anderson the drizzling shits just to see him jump off and do an elbow <laughs> which was to me like stupid like it wasn't even a cool spot it was and it was for uh, the, uh, an undertaker match too and i mean that's like one of your big things of the year and you know granted there's no more streak uh but still you're having the undertaker go Undertaker go against Shane McMahon. It was kind of like uh, we know that Undertaker's gonna... entrance was longer than the match. <laughs> so you know, here we go. I love it. We're, we're getting this out of ourselves, Cooter, because hopefully 2017 will be focused on more positive things. But there's I'm a few more things we can talk better. about. I know. I, I might sleep well tonight. That's it, man. We got to get this out of our system. Um, how about? <laughs> You know, the, even the return of the cruiserweights. We talked a lot about cruiserweights this year, and it's yes. good. You know, the last cruiserweight champion before they brought it back was Hornswoggle, so you know how that ended. Uh, but, you know, it's great. I've, I love to see these guys, and I love to see them not mixed in with the main roster because they could do a lot of stuff that the other guys can't, and it's just it's almost unfair in a way. Like, you can have this one guy doing, you know, a 450 splash off the rope and uh, whatever, and you, you don't see, like, big guys doing that, and it's almost like uh, the race, Rey Mysterio syndrome it's uh you know it's, we're gonna give him the championship but we really know that he, he he really can't beat this guy in real life kind of a thing so yeah i mean neville even said something about it on 205 live when he was talking to kendrick you know we we, we basically are the grandfathers of, of this kind of division because guys i our size are going up against these 300 pounders and that's how we made our names and 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 now we're in a position to where we can actually be dominant champions, where we fight people in our own weight class. I mean, it's 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 a brilliant idea, and 
now let's air out the grievances, shall we? You know, uh, one of the biggest things that just bothers me, uh, and it, it's, a, it's a shame because, you know, they do have this little spot on Raw, and this is before 205 Live. Granted, they only had like a few weeks of showcasing them on Raw every so often. It, they almost fall into the same problem as uh, like the women's championship to where they don't know how to book these guys outside of the title. Uh, you know, every storyline has to revolve around the title. Granted, you know, not every guy needs to, to be in that championship match. We can have two guys feuding over other reasons, which they're kind of doing right now with Cedric Alexander and a few others. But it, I, I just feel like they're stuck like the title, the title, the title. And it's OK. We get it. This uh, this this division needs to be built around, you know, a championship. But at the same time, you have more than just the championship going on. Can we get something else going on besides uh, fighting for the championship. I mean, that should be one part of the show, but there should also be other things going on. And maybe it's just because they kind of want to get people used to it, or, or I don't know what the reason is, but I, I just feel like they can't build a storyline outside of this championship. And that's, like I said, it's almost like the women's championship problem, too, what they're having. We'll probably air that I'm wondering that what next. the deal, deal was with the roster. I mean, I think maybe that's why they waited for as long as they did. I don't think they had everybody signed or they had to wait for certain people to clear other contracts. Even though they were involved in the tournament, they might not have been necessarily... Like, we didn't see Jack Gallagher until 205 Live, but he was in the Cruiserweight Classic, and we saw him in the crowd at one point during a Perkins match. And I'm like, all right. The other, the other problem I have is they've shown these, like, little vignettes where, where they try to get us to learn about who is going to be on 205 Live. Yep. They've had the whole roster out. We still have, n- have not seen Tazawa. And I think they even played a, a vignette about him so the fans can get to know him. We haven't seen him on yet. And then, on top of that, it's like, okay, Tajiri coming soon. Oh, so you're going to bring in the... And I'm not complaining about that because you know me. I'm a... Huge Tajiri fan. He's one of my all-time favorites. But you're going to bring him in before you've, you know, shown us the guys who you signed for the division before. Yeah. We've only seen the, those uh, the Bollywood boys that one time. I mean, we've seen Lindsay Dorado like two weeks in a row. We see Cedric Alexander every week. Now, in that, that one-hour spot, for 205 Live, what are we getting? Three or four matches? Yeah. You know, you, you, you got to spread this out a little bit better. I mean, and I'm a, I am I like a lot of the guys that we have in there. But, I mean, Aria Davari is getting a lot of TV time. You know, and, like, you know, all in all, you know, it's a good thing that we have this. Because now, like you said, like a lot of these guys can actually fit in uh, better into the roster being in the Cruiserweight division. Because now they actually get to make it onto WWE to where... Maybe years ago they wouldn't get looked at because they weren't big enough or they weren't the right size that they wanted them on TV or whatever stupid reason. But you know now they have they have this division to where they can actually start using guys. But it's almost like whoever's in charge of it, whoever's controlling it, still doesn't have have it down to ha- really how to make this division flow better. And uh, you know, hey, just airing the grievances, man. Just trying to get some things out there. Uh, on top of like we said, we love it, but you know, just got to get it out there. But Cooter, speaking of the cruiserweights, 
if we move right to the, the women's championship as well, uh, we saw the death of the Divas title this year and the rebirth of the women's championship, which is a great thing. It's a great gift, man. It's Christmas. Uh, this is a good Christmas gift. Uh, but once again... Let me ask you a question about this, though. Were you happier to see the death of the name Diva or were you happier to see the death of that fucking ugly butterfly belt. <laughs> I think you could pretty much categorize them into the same equalness of happy. Uh, you know, I was happy to see both of that just just fade away. Uh, you know, and it was a gift, man. It, it's it's finally, you know, it's it's nothing silly anymore. The women's can actually the women can actually have a women's championship and not be like, oh, I'm a divas championship. And you know, that divas kind of like it had its time and place, but you know, they finally moved away from that. But you know, as good as a gift that was, Cooter, there's still some stuff we can, uh, you know, air our grievances about uh, to where almost like the cruiserweight division, and you know, it falls in the same category I at least believe is that they don't know how to book outside the championship you have a lot of girls you have a lot of women uh, in your division and now that it's split on rosters you have the Smackdown Women's Champion and the Raw Women's Champion uh, you think you'd be able to, to somewhat even out the playing field but still man I feel like they don't know how to put on another feud outside of it being for the championship, and that's that's a problem. Don't, I don't know. That's just the like, – come on. Yeah, we, can, we can have something else going on. Especially on the Raw side. I mean everything has, has revolved around the title except for Survivor Series when, when we actually gave Nia Jax a push. Now it looks like we're, depending on how hurt Sasha Banks is, we're going to get a Sasha Banks-Nia Jax feud going. Uh, SmackDown, it hasn't been as bad because we've had the Carmella and uh, Nikki Bella feud. And, you know, it's and now that it's getting a little more interesting because of, uh, you know, certain things that get to be said. I mean, it's, and that's outside of the title. But at, at the same time, I, I have to agree with you. We can be doing a much better job of making storylines that don't revolve around the title. And again, how many spots on TV are they going to get a week on yeah. SmackDown or even Raw now because we have to throw the cruiserweights in there. So that third hour is pretty crucial. So, I mean, if we're getting two women's segments per show, Raw needs to catch up because SmackDown has done a very decent job of that. Uh, that's just one of those things, you know, We they, they had that whole Divas revolution last year. Okay, we start to put more focus on the women. And then it kind of was like, eh, we still don't know how to book them right. And then we got, okay, we were like, okay, let's just get rid of the Divas championship. Get rid of that name. They're superstars. They're women. You know, they're going to have a women's championship. And that's great. It's fine. This is the, this, these are the right steps. But still, it's like, uh, I don't know if it's just lazy booking. They just don't really care about it. They don't want it to look better than the men. I don't know what the reason is, but it's it's like, come on. We can put other few huge going on besides for the championship. So just more grievances, Cooter. We got to get out there. Uh, that's what's happening. But I think one of the last things I want to get off my chest this year, because it's we've had a lot of great things this year. And once again, everything we talked about here I, I were gifts. I think th these were gifts to us this year, especially, you know, for Christmas uh, from AJ debuting. Uh, uh, I think I think you got to rephrase that. They were meant to be gifts. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they were meant to be gifts. Uh, but in disguise, you know, we had some uh, grievances about them. But I think, you know, from, from AJ, AJ debuting, Shane McMahon returned. We have a brand split now. Uh, the cruiserweights are back. Uh, my last one I want to talk about 
uh, is, you know, the return of, like, the Icon versus Icon match. We got to see a classic matchup of, uh, or versus Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar. And, you know, their last match at WrestleMania 20 was, eh, okay. But still, if you talk about anybody in pro wrestling, Brock is a big name. Goldberg is a big name. And, you know, Goldberg could show that, you know, he could still go. He still looks great for his age. Uh, so why not put him in a match? It's just, you know, a classic draw of... Uh, You're being too nice. I, well, I know. I, I know. It, it's way like, too nice. It, it, it's WrestleMania the 20 was by far the worst match in WrestleMania history. Lesnar versus Goldberg. The crowd was more into the guy in the front row who was dressed as fucking Hulk Hogan. <laughs> well, here, well, here's the thing. It was the gift that it's something we really don't get to see all the time because uh, with their names, like Goldberg, big name, uh, big name for throughout his career, Brock Lesnar, huge name, won a UFC fight this year, also technically lost it because he was on drugs, but that's not besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still, you know, he's, they're both huge names coming together for one match at Survivor Series, uh, let alone, you know, one of the big four, showing us that it's a big pay-per-view, you're going to have, like, this big kind of a matchup. Now, with all this build-up, they even came out, you know, WWE 2K16 uh, of Goldberg uh, on the cover and uh, Brock on the cover and, you know, just them fighting each other. It was a big build-up, right? This big build-up, Cooter, let's air the grievances because the one biggest grievance of this is that it was a minute and what, 20-something, 37 seconds? I don't know. what It was a minute-something match. After all this buildup, you're going to kill Brock Lesnar for Goldberg? Like, Goldberg, you know, like, are you kidding me? The 1 in 21 and 1 was defeated in a minute by a 50-something, almost a 50-year-old? Like, uh, that's, is that good? Sto- come on, that's not good storytelling. No, they couldn't have done no. anything else. No, listen to me. Listen to me. We spent years... Building Brock Lesnar as the beast incarnate, this unstoppable force who has not taken a pin since WrestleMania 29 against Triple H in New York. And that's just to appease Triple H's ego, of course, because there is no point in him beating Brock Lesnar ever. (laughs) That's just my opinion because he's not a full time wrestler. Then again, neither is Brock, but Brock is more of an attraction these days than Triple H is. Unless it's WrestleMania season, whatever. That's not the, the point. We built this guy up. We had him uh, two out of three matches beat Triple H. We had him suplex John Cena 16 times, take the world championship off of him. Technically, he never lost that belt to anybody because Seth Rollins pinned Roman Reigns at WrestleMania when he won the title. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've done all this to make Brock look like he's unbeatable nobody's beat this guy nope but the bald-headed gray goateed <laughs> senior fucking citizen that is known as bill goldberg you know beats him in a minute and 20 seconds why what really blows my mind is that you know vince loves his guys right goldberg was not his guy exactly. brock was his guy and i don't know maybe he's just getting old in his age but it's like he, Vince is just trying to shock us every few months now. Like he needs some big shocking moment so that they could write it into the story or something. And I'll tell you what, you know, if if anything, if anybody should have won that wasn't Vince's guy, it should have been Sting at WrestleMania. Uh, that just would have been better because it just it, once again it was like oh Vince had to get the upper hand and you know his team had to win. But this, I mean, you had a, you have like I, I I consider him like the next phenom. 
become the next Andre the Giant. Right now, he is like that marquee guy to where, you know, you put him on the card, he steps into the shoes of like Andre the Giant's on the card or the Undertaker's on the card. Brock Lesnar, the beast, you know, he's the unstoppable guy that you couldn't beat. And then all of a sudden, you're having this 49-year-old guy beat him in a minute. I'm like... What I thought they were going to ride this gravy train to the end of his contract. And it's like, man, if you're just building this up for a WrestleMania match, like, come on. That's uh, it's it, it just I don't know. I think personally, that's just horrible storytelling. And there's not enough appearances for them to tell exactly, that yeah. story, Credo. That's my problem was the very next night on Raw, it was. Well, yeah, I had one more spear in me. Do I have another title run in me? Oh, my God, you know? no. <laughs> and it was like, oh, that's exactly right. And I'm like, okay, this is mid-November, and <laughs> right? And the Royal Rumble is not until January, so he announced himself as the first fucking entrant in the Royal Rumble. And I'm like, that's like a month. We haven't seen him <laughs> since. And we haven't seen Brock Lesnar since, who is now also in the Rumble. And then they'll be in the Rumble, they'll both be at Raw the next night, and then we won't see them until about two to three weeks before WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, so, you know, Cooter, we, we, we talked a lot, man. And everybody out there listening, please tell us what you love this year. Tell us maybe if you had to air your grievances out. Tweet us, Facebook us, all that fun stuff. Anotherwrestlingpodcast.com. But, Cooter, you know, another thing happened this year, too. i got to get out there. Okay. Uh, you know, you... Angry Cooter debuted on another wrestling podcast, uh, filling in for Jonathan Benjamin. Uh, you're here, man. You're here to stay. But I'll tell you what, man. Uh, I have no grievances. I have, the, you know, there is no downside, brother. It's early yet. I still haven't been <laughs> fired. You, you know why it, the, the, the fans like me is because I get to invoke these reactions out of you. Watch this. I'll give you an example. <laughs> James Ellsworth. Oh, my God. Fuck this. I can't. No. He's, the he Shining lost. Stars. They're still fucking handing out stupid uh, timeshare stuff. Stop it. The, the New Day. Oh, God. Longest reigning tag team champions. When is the next record going to be broken? Please hurry the up. Okay. And Universal titles. <laughs> we already the, have an Intercontinental title. That's oh, the champion dear. of all the, the continents. We don't need a separate continent title. This, now. Yeah, I just get him all wound <sighs> up, and now he's not going to be able to sleep. I can't do it. You know, ugh, you're <laughs> a mean one, Mr. Cooter. Uh, but, you know... <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, guys, uh, it's been a fun year, Christmas. I think next week we'll have to do a year in review show, some of the best moments from some of the interviews we've had, uh, and just maybe some moments from the show or whatnot. But, you know, Cooter, uh, I hope you have a, a joyous Christmas and a happy new year. Mm-hmm.